0: Bismillah Wa Welcome to our podcast series, The Beginning of Guidance Brought to you by MISQ Women, the Muslim Institute for Sacred Knowledge My name is Uma Abdullah and welcome to episode 21. Today, inshallah, we will be covering two chapters in the book, which include the etiquettes of the congregational prayer and also the etiquettes of the Jumu'ah prayer, the Friday prayer. Inshallah, before we start, let's begin with our du'a for seeking knowledge from the erudite and great scholar, Imam haddad بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم إني نويت التعلم والتعليم والتذكر والتذكير والنفع والانتفاع والإفاد والاستفاد والحث على تمسك بكتاب الله وسنة رسوله والدعاء إلى الهدى والدلاله على الخير ibtigha' wajhillah wa marodatihi wa qurbihi wa thawabihi subhanahu wa you can find that as we mention every time on our at miss women instagram page and also come and join us on facebook in our private group miss women halaqah okay inshallah today's episode is covering quite a bit of content and it's all got to do with etiquette. It has to do with the adab, with the etiquette, the conduct, the manners of the person who prays in the congregational prayer, both as the imam, the person leading the prayer, or as the ma'mum the one who is being led in the prayer. So that's our first section. Then, inshallah, we will continue with the next part of the book, which includes the etiquettes for the Friday prayer. For the person who is prepare, for the person who is preparing to attend, and how one should conduct oneself throughout the khutbah, throughout the sermon, and various adkar and extra salahs to read and pray both before and after. Insha'Allah. Imam Ghazali, may we benefit from his knowledge in the two abodes, Amin, says Adabul Imamati wal-qudwa. يَنْبَغِي لِلْإِمَامِ أَنْ يُخَفِّفَ الصَّلَاةِ قَالَ أَنَسٌ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ مَا صَلَّيْتُ خَلْفَ أَحَدٍ أَخَفَّ الصَّلَاةً وَلَا أَتَمْ مِنْ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ He begins by saying that the most important element of the prayer for the Imam is that he should make it brief. And Sayyidina Anas, may Allah be pleased with him, said... I did not pray behind anyone whose prayer was more brief or more complete than the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alaihi wa There are a couple of aspects that we've covered before in our previous episode, so we will just read over those as well. As we go through this looking for the adab, so that's really the first one for the imam to make the prayer short. I will read some of the Arabic and and some not depending on what it is and inshallah we'll try and extract the most benefit we can uh, from both the sections inshallah, the Arabic and the translation. Imam Ghazali also says that the imam should not make the opening takbir, so the opening Allahu Akbar, if the muadim, the one calling the prayer has not yet finished the call to commence nor before the lines are straightened. So if it is that the imam looks around and sees that the rows of people praying are not filled, that there are gaps, that there are spaces too large. Then he will call to the people to straighten the lines, evenly in line with one another. Then he will begin the prayer. He should raise his voice with every takbir, so every movement of the salah that requires for the takbir to be made. Then the imam raises his voice, but the person following the ma'mum only raises his voice so he can hear himself. The imam should also make the intention of leading the prayer in order to attain the merit of doing so. And if he doesn't form this intention, then as long as the followers have made their intention to be followers, their prayer is correct and they will attain the merit of following. Now there are many benefits of praying in congregation. We know that for men it is something that is not wajib, so it's not absolutely obligatory, but highly, highly recommended, and that if there is any opportunity at all for a man to pray in congregation in jama, then he should do so either in the mosque or with those around him or in any conditions that he finds himself. And we've mentioned that before for women in the Shafi Madhahab, this is also highly recommended. But it's also said that a person who prays in Jama'ah in congregation all their life, will acquire five enormous benefits. And these are things really that everybody, that every believing person would want. The first is that they live with enough, meaning that they have enough to sustain them of rizq of sustenance, in both the dunya and in the akhirah. So a person will be provided for and sustained. Secondly, that a person who, who regularly prays in congregation Will die inshallah with Husnul Khatima with a good ending. So they will die in the best of states. Thirdly, their questioning in the grave will be easy. Fourthly, they will cross over the Sirat, over the bridge, into paradise like the Barqul Khatif, which is like a, a flash of lightning, so very, very quickly. And lastly, they will enter paradise without any hisab. So these are things that everybody's looking for, and inshallah, the easiest way to fulfill that is to pray in congregation. Inshallah, may Allah make that easy for us and make our hearts connected and attached to the group prayer, inshallah. Other benefits, of course, of the prayer are that the prayer of those in congregation is worth 27 times more as we've mentioned in previous episodes and also that Allah's protection is granted to the one who prays Isha, the night prayer in congregation and Fajr in congregation. And it's said even that Al-Hajjaj, who was one of the rulers in Baghdad in the early generations, and he was known for being harsh And even he would stop people. So despite him being of a harsh character and known for some cruelty, he also in his own way had his faith and his fear of Allah. And it was said that if they were out and he would stop somebody for some type of random questioning or interrogation, he would ask them first of all, did you pray the fajr prayer in congregation? And if they said yes, then he would leave that person because... He said he did not want to be answerable to Allah for harassing somebody who was under divine protection. So somebody who had prayed and because of his prayer he was under the protection of Allah for the whole day. Of the other etiquettes the imam should quietly read the dua to open the prayer and say عُوذُ just as he would do if he was praying on his own. And then, of course, he reads Surah Al-Fatiha and the Surah after that out loud, if it's in the Fajr prayer, Maghrib or Isha. So basically in the times of the day where you pray when it's dark, that's when you read the prayer out loud. And the two daytime prayers, Dhuhr and Asr, in the daylight, they are read quietly. When the Imam says Amin, after reading Surah Al-Fatiha, then the people in the congregation behind him should say Amin at exactly the same time. Not before him and not after him or her if you're being led by a woman, if you're in a group of women. And this is the only time in the prayer that you actually say the same statement or speech as the Imam when the Imam says it. Otherwise you're following in the prayer is exactly that it's following so as the person who's following you need to make sure that you do all your actions after the imam has finished his or hers so when the imam says Allahu Akbar raises his hands and folds them and puts them on his chest or under his chest then That's when you do it, after he's done that. So you have to wait until the imam has performed the action and settled into that position before you commence your following of the same action. And this is an important part of the etiquettes of the person who is following. There are various pauses in the prayer which the imam is obliged to follow. So those would be, for example, after Surah al-Fatiha. And when he's reading... A prayer out loud then he needs to have a longer pause in that time to allow those following to read Suratul- Fatiha for themselves. And the reason for that or the wisdom for that is so that when the Imam goes into reading the surah or reading a portion of the Quran so that those following will be able to hear that because if the Imam starts reading and then the people following are still trying to read the suratul Fatiha to themselves, then they will miss out on hearing the Quran. When the imam goes into the ruku in the bowing position and into the sajda, into the prostration, then he or she doesn't repeat more than three times the dua that you make in each of those positions. it's bin Malik, may Allah be pleased with him, said that he prayed behind Sayyidina Omar ibn Abdul Aziz, who was the ruler of Medina at the time. And he said that I didn't pray behind anyone who was, whose prayer resembled the prayer of the Prophet وسلم, more than this young man. And he was referring to Omar ibn Abdul Aziz. He said, We used to repeat the du'as 10 times after the Prophet. And so, how were those two views reconciled? And Imam Al Jawi tells us that. We know that the Imam should not read more than three times, but here we have a hadith telling us that the Prophet used to read ten times. So the way that this has been reconciled is that, and this is mentioned in the Ihi al umad is that when the Imam is with a group, a mixed group of people, which is basically anyone from the community, then he reads it only three times. However, if the imam knows that those who are present in the prayer and praying behind him are people who are seriously committed to their deen, then it's okay for him to read up to ten times because he knows that that will please them, that the longer their ruku and the longer their sujood is something that will make them happy. So then it would be permitted for him to do that. Also, the imam shouldn't read anything more in the tashahut so, in the first sitting after the first two rakahs, after he said, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammad. So, that's when he should stand up and go into the third rakah and not read anything longer or anything after that. So, this is also mentioned by Imam Ghazali as one of the etiquettes of the Imam, the person reading the prayer. He also says that in the last two rakahs, or the last rakah of Maghrib, it would be that the Imam should make those two rakahs short because in the first two he's already read al-Fatiha and a surah and we've mentioned before about which surahs to read at which particular prayers of the day some of them are longer than others and that in the last two rakahs then he should just read surah al-Fatiha and make those rakahs quite short. Also in the second tashahud the final one just before saying salam he shouldn't read long du'as in that that would exceed the amount of time that he's already spent in the tashahud or in the prayer. So when the imam leaves the prayer and he's finished, then he makes the intention to greet those on his left and his right, as we've mentioned, and those following make their intention to respond to the imam's greeting. So when the imam says, "Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah." then it's in the heart of those following when they now say As-salamu wa warahmatullah that they are also through that responding to his greeting because they are also intending to greet those on the right and their left and in front and behind them and that would also include the imam when the imam has finished it's the sunnah for him to either turn around and face the congregation directly or to turn to the side so that his right hand side is facing the congregation and his left hand side is facing the mihrab, the direction of the prayer or the area that he has just prayed in. If there are women who've prayed in the same room or in the same part of the mosque, depending on the setup there, then it's proper for them to leave immediately after the prayer so that if the imam does turn and have his right hand side facing the congregation or he turns to face the people that he doesn't see them unnecessarily so the women should finish and stand up and leave and perhaps go to another area where they can pray sunnah prayers and they can make their dhikr and dua after the formal prayer and it's not of good manners to leave before the imam leaves so if it's possible to wait the imam to stand up and change his position he might go to another part of the mosque or the room to pray sunnah prayers depending on which prayer it is but that would not be after fajr or after Asr, but after the other ones so if you wait for him to either do that or to leave then that is of the better etiquettes for the person who is following except of course If it's absolutely necessary for you to bolt out of the mosque, for example, then you have to do what you have to do. But if it's not, then you wait. And the imam should go to another part of the mosque and preferably to the right-hand side. And Imam Ghazali says that if he goes to the right-hand side of the area that he's prayed in, then that is more preferred to him. Also what's most important is that the imam, when he is making the dua and particularly in the kunut, so, when he says, Allahumma ahdina fi man that he doesn't read it, Allahumma ahdini. So, he doesn't make it, Oh Allah, guide me, which is singular, but that he makes it, Allahumma ahdina, Allahumma guide us. So, that he makes it plural. And the reason for that is so that he doesn't cheat the followers of their reward and of their portion of that particular dua. Because that's a dua that people make in times of stress or calamity or oppression. So it's for the imam to consider those behind him as well and to include them in every part of the prayer and in his intention and in his du'as as he can. And also when the congregation is standing in the kunut and the imam as well, then Imam Ghazali says not to lift the hands. However, the stronger and more preferred position is that you do raise your hands in that dua but you do not raise your eyes to the sky now we know that the qibla or the direction for the dua is the sky so when people raise their hands and they supplicate outside of the prayer then it's a sunnah to look up However, in the prayer, you don't look up, okay? And this is important, and this is something you should teach your children as well. But you still look down at your place of prostration, which is the correct place for the eyes to be throughout the prayer. So all you do is raise your hands. And then, when the imam gets to the part of the qunut where he says, إِنَّكَ You don't say ameen there. So you say Amin for the first part. Allah <laughs> Mahdina Feman Hadaid, waafina, femana fate, wa tawalana, feman tawalait, wa barikana femate, waqina sharama call daid. After all of that you say Amin. Then the next line is fa Katae wala yukal da alayk. You don't say Amin. What you say at that line until the end of it is Ashhadu, which means I bear witness, because the rest of it is actually praise for Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Yeah. So that's the proper etiquette there. And you will hear sometimes in Ramadan, or if you go to a mosque where people who don't understand Arabic, if you go there, you'll often hear them saying "Amin, Amin, Amin" all the way through. So what you can do now is no, not to say that, but when you get to that line until the end, say "Ashhadu," Inshallah. And finally, and what's most important, is that if a person enters into a group prayer and it's already started or it's about to start and that person would be alone. So the whole row is taken up and there's nowhere for that person to comfortably squeeze in either between other people or next to the wall. Then what you need to do is actually pull someone back so that there are two of you standing in the row behind the last one. Because it's a group prayer, you can't be on your own. And it's important that you learn this and that you teach others because if it is that say you walk into the mosque in Ramadan and everyone's praying Taraweeh and they're in the Raqqa and there's you on your own, then you need to be able to pull a person back. And I suggest that you go for a younger person, okay, because an older person who doesn't know is not going to like it and they'll think that you're messing with them and that they're that you're annoying them and that you've broken their prayer. Whereas a younger person or a child is more likely to comply with being pulled back and then you can explain to them after. The best thing to do, of course, is for it to be somebody that you know and somebody and they'll say, why did you do that after they finished? But be careful about who you choose because this is a part of the group prayer that not many people know or are comfortable with. But it's actually a really important point because... It avoids, number one, you invalidating your prayer by standing alone when you're meant to be in congregation and it also means that you avoid the differences of scholarly opinion on that. So some will say that it doesn't invalidate your prayer, others say that it does. So in order to avoid any difference there, then you should be able to pull someone back and it's totally legitimate and it's fine, but people don't know it. So just to finish up here, Imam Al Jawi, has mentioned further conditions for the imam. And I'll just mention a couple that are most particular to women. So the first is that the imam should be of the age of Tamiz, which means that over seven years old and knows how to pray. So if you have a son or a daughter who's still like, say, five years old, and even though they might know how to pray and they read Surah fatiha really well, they're still not at the proper age yet. So people want to encourage their kids and say, Oh, come, Ya Allah, come and you lead us in the prayer now. Because you want to encourage them and give them confidence. But if they're too young, then don't do that. Okay, You can do a mock prayer with them or you can let them pray with their friends or something like that. But when it's your prayer and it's your obligatory prayer, then don't have them come and do that until they're seven years or over. They also need to be sane. They need to be Muslim, of course. And that only a man can be the Imam for everybody. Okay, a woman cannot. A woman can only be the Imam for other women. This is the correct scholarly position. And so women do not lead men in prayer. They also have to know how to read Surah Al Fatiha correctly. And the Imam needs to be visible or standing out from the rest of the congregation. Now, if it is in the mosque, the imam is always in front on his own and there are the rows behind him. But women don't pray like that. The way that women pray in congregation is you have a line of people and the woman who's the imam is standing in that line but a little bit forward. So maybe about... 10 or 15 centimetres forward from those behind her so that she doesn't stand out too far but that should somebody walk in they will be able to see clearly the one forward and who is leading the prayer. If it is that there are only two of you and one is the imam then the person who is being led by you is standing on your right hand side and you should still be a little bit forward and if there are three Then on your right and on your left, you would have two people. So maybe it's your two daughters, for example. And you would just be standing in front of them by about the same distance. So they should actually be just behind your shoulder. So that would be around 10 or 15 centimetres. And you should always have more people on the right-hand side. So if there's four or five of you, say there's five people praying, then you'd put three on the right-hand side of the imam and two on the left hand side for example so when you're going to stand together to pray and you're the imam or whoever's the imam it doesn't matter somebody needs to check and if there are more on the left then bring the correct number over to the right to make sure that there are more on the right hand side when it comes to the conditions or extra conditions for the person who is following then you must have the intention that you're following somebody else in prayer and you need to follow all the sunnah actions that the imam does. So, for example, if the imam is reading a portion of the Qur'an in which there is a prostration for reading and the imam drops down into the sujood because they've reached that, the end of that particular ayah, then as the one who's being followed, you have to follow them. Okay? You can't think to yourself, oh, I don't know what the imam's doing so I'm not going to do that because you don't know the Qur'an so well. Whatever the imam does, you do. And you mustn't break away from that. And that's why you need to make sure that the person you're following actually knows what they're doing. Also, the imam might forget to read the first Tashahud. And so if that's the case, uh, then you just stand up for the third rakah like the imam. And then maybe the imam remembers that they didn't pray it. So then afterwards, they'll do the prostration of forgetfulness. So you follow that. So whatever the imam does, you do. And most importantly for the person who's following is you do not get ahead of the imam. If you get ahead of the imam and you do the actions before the imam, then you've broken your prayer. So you need to make sure that you are following the imam because that's what it's all about. Okay, It's about being led in the prayer, not about you going ahead and doing what you want to do. And finally, the imam and the ma'am need to be in the same place. And there are various rulings on that between the madhabs. If you could be, for example, the Imam's inside the mosque and the mosque is full, so the person needs to pray outside, say in order to get the Friday prayer, should the door be open or closed. So in the Shafi madhab the door has to be open, but in the other madahib it's not necessarily the case. You need to make sure that at the very least you're in the same place and whatever other rulings about walls and doors and things being open then you need to check what they are and inshallah try and fulfill that to the best of your ability. So now we go on inshallah to the etiquettes for Jummah for Friday. And what's really important about having these two sections together is that they show us just how communal Islam is. And Islam is a religion which is very much about ourselves and our own journey and the state of our hearts and purifying ourselves, but never at the expense of the group. So the way that we better ourselves is through service to others and lowering ourselves to others and thinking how can I best benefit because every single thing in this religion is about bringing benefit to oneself and bringing benefit to others. So it's very important that we understand that our most fundamental pillar of our worship which is our prayer is something that has a very communal aspect to it. And the greatest manifestation of that is the Friday prayer because that's the one time in the week when the whole community and it's compulsory on men to attend the Friday prayer so that the whole community can come together in one place once a week to pray together to hear the sermon which should be of benefit and to have fulfilled something beneficial together. And of course the rest of the prayers as we've said it's always great to be in congregation but that one in particular and because it falls on a Friday which Imam Ghazali tells us he says know that Mu'min. so know that the Juma prayer is the Eid it's the day of happiness it's the best day of the week for the believer and it's also the day with the best prayer and it's the most noble day that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has chosen for this ummah, for this ummah of the Prophet sallallahu Alaihi And it said in a hadith, من مات يوم الجمعة أو ليلة الجمعة كتب له أجر فتنة القبر So whoever dies on Friday or the night of Friday, he's written as a martyr and he's protected from the trials of the grave. And just to make sure that you understand that when we talk about the night of Friday, it's actually Thursday night. Because the way that time is organized is that when Maghrib, the sunset comes, that's the end of that day. And the setting of the sun is the beginning of the night for the next day. So when we think about Thursday night in a regular sense, we have Thursday night, Friday morning, but that Thursday after Maghrib is the beginning of Friday. And that also is a very Mubarak and blessed time, and is the time when we should start our istighfar. And Imam Ghazali tells us that's the first thing how to prepare for Friday is to start on Thursday night doing abundant amounts of tasbih, of dhikr, and istighfar, seeking forgiveness, and making dua. He also says that you should intend to fast on a Friday. But only if you are going to fast the Thursday or the Saturday. So it's not good to fast Friday on its own. But if you fasted Thursday as a part of your weekly fast, like fasting either Monday or Thursday, then intend to fast Friday as well, inshallah. Or if you decide that it's the weekend and you want to fast Friday and then go on to fast Saturday, then that's recommended to do that. So you should always have the best of intentions to do as many good things as you can on a Friday because it's the most blessed day of the week. When Friday has come, then it's a very, very confirmed and practiced sunnah to take a ghusl, which is a ritual purificatory bath. And it's a sunnah practice. It's not compulsory, but it's so highly recommended that it's almost as though it's compulsory and that's for the person who intends to go to the mosque so that would be for men who are going and also for women if they want to attend the Friday prayer as well and they're able to do that so that everybody goes to the mosque once a week clean and Imam Ghazali tells us to wear our best clothes for men and to adorn themselves in a white thobe or in white clothes Because it is the most beloved to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that a person should also use perfume. So perfume there meaning, not those spray ones like you get in the department stores, but perfume oil. And there's no alcohol in those oils either. So for those who follow the view that alcohol is najasa and ritually impure, then you would have to use perfume oils. And what's recommended of perfume is that for a man it's a perfume with a strong smell and a light colour and that for women that they use perfume with a light smell and a strong colour. He also recommends that the person goes to the lengths required to clean themselves by removing unwanted bodily hair, by cutting the nails and trimming the moustache, so that the top of the the redness of the top of the lip is shown and he also mentions here this is Al Jawi in the commentary about the order in which a person should cut their nails and so a person starts with the pointer finger on the right hand and cuts to the small finger then starts with the little finger on the left hand and then cuts all of them in order until the thumb and then finishes with the thumb of the right hand and for cutting toenails, and this is sunnah of course, then one starts with the baby toe on the right foot and then keeps going in that order straight across until they finish at the baby toe of the left. There are other ways of cutting the fingernails as well, but that's the one that's mentioned here. Imam Shafi says, it's like a saying, then he says, "Man So whoever cleans his thobe or his clothing, then he reduces his amount of concern or grief or things that are bothering him. and whoever's smell is good, Zada Akluhu. Then his intellect or his comprehension and understanding of things is increased and enhanced. So there are many benefits of using perfume. The Prophet ﷺ said in a hadith that of the things of the dunya that are the most beloved to him are perfume and to be in the company of his women. And then he also said, fi salah." He said, and the thing that is most beloved and blessed and brings the coolness to his eyes is the prayer. Then it's highly recommended that a person goes early to the mosque. And there is a very well-known hadith here. And it says, the Prophet said, من راح إلى الجمعة في الساعة الأولى فكأنما بدنا. ومن راح في الساعة فكأنما بقرة. ومن راح في الساعة فكأنما كبشة. ومن راه في الساعة الرابعة فكأنما قرب الدجاجة ومن راه في الساعة الخامسة فكأنما قرب بيضة فإذا خرج الإمام تويت الصحف ورفعت الأقلام واجتمعت الملائكة عند الْمِنْبَرِ يستمعون الذكر. So that means that there are five hours or five portions of the morning between the rising of the sun until when the imam comes out after the adhan has been called and he comes to the mimba and stands there ready to give the khutbah, to give the sermon. So the hadith means whoever goes to Jummah in the first hour, it's as though he has given a gift or offered something of himself which is, has the value of a camel. And whoever goes in the second hour, it's as though he's offered something with the value of a cow. Whoever goes in the third, then he's offered a sheep. Whoever goes in the fourth hour, it's as though he has offered a chicken. And whoever goes in the fifth hour, which would be closest to the time when the imam comes out, it's as though he's offered an egg. Then when the imam comes out, then the scrolls are folded up and the pens are lifted And the angels gather around the mimbar, around the pulpit, and they listen to the dhikr. So they listen to what's being said. Now, people often ask, like living in the West or living in countries where mosques are closed between prayer times, so what do we do then? So how how do we go five hours early? I mean, we have work, number one. We have other responsibilities. Friday is not a holiday in those countries, unlike it is in the Gulf and uh, other Arab countries. So what do we do? And it would appear that we're going to miss out on this great reward. But Imam Malik, rahimahullah, has said that those five hours or five time periods actually begin after the Adhan of Dhuhr. So once the time comes in, then it would be about five minutes before the Imam comes out. And so they are the five hours or the five times so inshallah if you get there just before the adhan then you will have made it as the one who came uh, in the first hour of those five inshallah on that point Imam Ghazali also says وَيُقَالَ أَنَّ النَّاسَ فِي قُرْبِهِمْ عِنْدَ النظر إِلَىٰ اللَّهِ تَعَالَىٰ أَلَىٰ قَدْرِ بُكُورِهِمْ إِلَىٰ الجُمْعَةِ it is said that the closeness of people to seeing and experiencing and witnessing the countenance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is a reference to, in the Jannah, the kathibul abiyad, the white Dune, when the people of Jannah on Friday in Jannah go to this white dune, and there they will see the countenance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala manifested, and that the closeness and proximity of a person in there witnessing that, will Be commensurate with how early they were in their going to attend the Jummah prayer. There's also another hadith in the commentary. Imam Mujawi mentions this one where the Prophet ﷺ said, Talathun la There are three things that if the people knew what was in them of goodness, then they would even ride a camel to attain them. So the Adhan, the first row of the prayer and going early to attend the jummah. And Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal says that the best of those is going early to Jummah. When a person attends the Jummah, Imam Ghazali says that they should They should try and get into the front row. And if it is that the people have already gathered to such an extent that there's quite a crowd, then it's very bad manners to walk through the crowd and to lift your leg up to the level of their shoulders. So it's like you're kind of picking your way through the crowd and walking over people's bodies and shoulders and heads. So you shouldn't do that. But if it is that the people can move slightly apart and allow you to pass through, then that would be the best thing. And if it is that you cannot get through then you should just stay where you are and not make yourself annoying to people and also once people have begun praying if you come late and this is at any time then you shouldn't walk in front of people when they're praying that would be in an ordinary situation around the haram in mecca and medina this can often be a different situation but in your ordinary daily life and your regular attendance at jumma then you don't do that you just Arrive where you arrive and pray there. And most importantly, when you do get to the mosque, Imam Ghazali says, So he says, Don't sit until you've prayed the greeting prayer for the mosque, and the best is to pray four rakahs. And he says that there are four surahs that you should read in those four rakahs. And the reason why is because it's narrated in a hadith that It's said that whoever does that prays those four aqas with these four surahs that he won't die until he has seen his place in the jannah. And he says that it's sunnah to read. In the first one he should read surah Al-An'am. In the second, Surah Al-Kahf. In the third, Surah Taha. And then, Surah Yasin. Which are all very, very long surahs. Then he says, if you can't do that, then read Surah Yasin, Surah Dukhan, Alif Lam Im Sajda, and Surah al And if it is that you can't do that, then in each of those four rakahs, you should read Surah Al-Ikhlas 50 times. And there is another long hadith which explains that, where Sayyidina Ali Uh, mentioned to the Prophet that he was reading the Quran but having trouble retaining it and so the Prophet gave him this advice and he said do it on a Friday and then every second Friday after that until you feel that your situation, your condition has changed and so Sayyidina Ali may Allah be pleased with him, came to the Prophet after a couple of weeks and he said he did it every week and now whatever he hears or knows or reads of the Qur'an, stays with him and it doesn't leave him and it's as though when he hears it that he's actually looking at it. So inshallah that is a good remedy for those of us who are struggling to memorise Qur'an and texts and whatever else that we are dealing with and trying to learn, inshallah. There are many benefits of these surahs. The benefit of reading Surah Kaf is well known and that it is a light for you between one Friday and another and also it's like it puts down a path of light between you and Mecca, and it also is a remedy for illness and for stomach illness and for leprosy and for other diseases and also it protects you most importantly from the fitna of the Dajjal of the Antichrist whose time is coming. So inshallah it said if you read the first ten and the last ten ayahs of that surah, inshallah you'll be protected. And the best of course is to read all of it. Surah Taha has many benefits and one of those is that it makes a person incline and love praying in the night and doing good. And want to be in the company of the people of Deen, of the pious people. Surah Yasin, of course, has many, many benefits. We could do a whole lesson on that. But it basically makes a person's religion strong. Whoever reads Surah 2, Sajda, it becomes very strong in their Tawheed, in their monotheism, and they have very sound sense of certainty about Allah's decree and about life and about the hereafter. Whoever reads Surah 2, on the night of Friday or during the day, it said that Allah builds for him a house in Jannah and also that 70,000 angels make istighfar for that person until the morning. The other highly recommended practice that a person should commit to every Friday is doing an abundant amount of salat and salam on the Prophet wasallam, And it is said, أَكْثِرُوا الصَّلَاةَ فِي لَيْلَةِ الْغَرَّائِ وَالْيَوْمِ Azhar. So the prophet himself, peace and blessings be upon him, told the people to make abundant peace and blessings upon him, the minimum of which is considered to be 300, although the more you do the better. And most importantly, that Friday is a day that you spend and commit to your deen. So it's not a day where we should go and waste it on trivial activities or on things that we don't need to do, but we should try and commit ourselves to that. The other really, really important etiquette of the Friday is that you do not speak during the sermon, during the khutbah. And it is said in a hadith that even saying, which means keep quiet, also, Which is like keep quiet, like shh then you shouldn't do that either and that's considered talking. And the reason why you should not say anything but perhaps only indicate with gestures that are understood that people should be quiet is because it takes away from the completeness of your attendance, which means what that it takes away the barakah. And so we don't want that. So of course, your attendance, your prayer and things are still valid, but it's devoid of barakah or it has a deficiency in barakah. Also, when the Imam has finished, then Imam Ghazali recommends that before you speak or say anything to anyone, that you read Suratul fatiha seven times, Suratul Al-Ikhlas seven times, Suratul Al-Falaq and Nas seven times, and that these, inshallah, will protect you from one Friday to the next. And they will also protect you from shaitan. And finally, Imam Al Ghazali also recommends a dua that we should make, which is Allahumma, oh Ya Ghaniyyu, Ya Hamid, Ya Mubdiu, Ya Mu'id, Ya Rahim, Ya Wadood, Agnini bihalalik halalik and haramik, Wabi Ta'atika and Ma'siyatik, Wabi Fadlika Amma Siwak. O Allah, O oh you who is free from want. O praised one, O originator, O restorer, O most merciful, O loving, enrich me with what you have made lawful, so that I have no need of what you have made unlawful. Enrich me with obedience to you, so that I have no need to disobey you, and enrich me with your grace, so that I have no need of any other than you. And Al-Jawi tells us that whoever consistently makes this du'a, this supplication, then Allah will enrich him from his need for dependency on creation. So he will free you from thinking that you need to depend on others and that he will provide you with sustenance from where you don't even know, so from where you couldn't consider. Then it's recommended to pray two or four akars after that. And Imam Ghazali says a person should stay in the mosque in a in their spiritual seclusion until Maghrib or at least until Asr. However, Al-Jawi says if a person fears by doing that, that they'll end up falling into some useless and trivial talk, then they should leave and go home. And that on the way, they should remember Allah, they should think about his bounties, they should thank him for the divine grace that has been bestowed upon them. They should fear their shortcomings and they should keep an eye on their heart and some surveillance over their heart and their tongue until the setting of the sun. Because, and this is very important, there is an hour or a time in the day on a Friday which is hidden and that is the time in which du'as are answered. And Imam Ghazali says that it is hoped that you will be one of those who meets that time or who attains that time where your du'as will be answered and that you are in a state of humbleness and fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's also recommended that you don't waste your time with spending your hours of that precious and most mubarak day in the company of people who don't benefit you but that you should only be with those or seeking knowledge that calls you away from this dunya and calls you to the akhirah. that calls you to the next life, because that is the definition of beneficial knowledge. And al-Jawi recommends another du'a, Allahumma inya ya'udu bika min ilmin la yanfa'u, wa qalbin la yakhshua, wa ainin la tadma'u, wa nafsin la tashba'u, wa amalin la yurfa'u, wa du'a'in la yusma'u. O Allah, seek refuge in you from knowledge which is not beneficial, and from a heart which has no fear, and from an eye that doesn't cry, and from a lower self which is never satisfied, and from deeds which are not raised to you for acceptance, and from a supplication that is not heard. So he says, if that's the type of dua that you are encouraged to make on a Friday, then how could you possibly spend the day in heedlessness not remembering Allah and just satisfying your lower self and forgetting that this is a day the one day of the week that's been set out for you to benefit from the most He also says that because we don't know when the hour that our supplication will be answered that there's no harm in making this dua. Allahumma inna nas'aluka fiqhan fi wa ziyadatan fil ilm wa kifayatan fil rizq wa afiyatan wa sihhatan fil badan wa tawbatan qabla al mawt wa rahatan 'inda al mawt wa maghfiratan ba'da al mawt wa ladhat anadhri ila wajhik al karim ya arhamar rahimin wa ya khayral mas'ulin which is very similar to the dua of Sheikh Abu Bakr bin Salim which is highly recommended and is in the khulasa the book of supplications and invocations and it means O oh Allah I ask you for understanding in deen an increase in knowledge and enough sustenance and physical well-being and health and that I should repent before death and have comfort when I die or at the time of death and forgiveness after death and that I should be granted the joy and the sweetness and blessing of witnessing your majestic countenance, O oh, most merciful of the merciful, O oh, the best of those who are asked. Imam Ghazali says that perhaps that hour, that most blessed and Mubarak time in which the dua is answered. It could be in any time but for the most part the scholars have agreed on that it's probably towards the end of the day. So that's why between Asr and Maghrib on a Friday you should to the extent possible that you can make lots of dua and busy yourself in dhikr and remembrance and salawat at that time and he concludes by reminding us that we should strive to pay some charity or to be helpful in some way even if it's a little bit because on that day, the sadaqa, the charity that you pay, actually increases. And that we should try and do as many good deeds as possible. From praying, fasting, giving charity, uh, reading Quran, making dhikr, itikaf in the mosque. And he says, what a ribat. And the ribat is waiting from one prayer to the next prayer. So it's being connected and joined to the mosque. And he says, So make this one day of the week exclusively for your afterlife. As perhaps he says, it might be the expiation for everything that has befallen you for the rest of the week. So, in conclusion, inshallah. We ask Allah to give us the deeds and grant us with the deeds which are the most blessed to perform in the most blessed times and to keep us away from doing things that would displease Him in those blessed times, inshallah. So we ask Allah for afwa and Afia, for dini wa wal And we ask Allah to bless us and bestow upon us the best of etiquette, the best of adab with Him. With his Prophet and with the people and the creation around us in all times and all places, and especially when we come together for acts of worship in the congregational prayer and on a Friday. Insha'Allah. May Allah accept from all of us and bless us with all that is good and khair and keep away from us all that is evil and bad for us and join us always in good, seeking his wajah al-karim, seeking his divine countenance and blessing and acceptance in all that we do by following the way of the Prophet sallallahu with love for each other and inshallah in the best way with the best etiquettes. Inshallah. Ameen. Wa sallallahu ala sayyidina Muhammad. وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته